grows fainter and your path uncertain. Climb on when the rocks become sharper and tear at your feet. Climb on when rain clouds threaten and the fierce winds howl. Climb on when the air grows thin and each breath takes more effort. Climb on when the crowds turn back and the path becomes lonely. Climb on when your faith is pushed to its ultimate limit. Climb on. That's right, my friend. Climb on. A reward awaits for all those who refuse to give up. For all those who reach the summit. Life trails. Take the next step. you forget to turn your microphone on. Have you ever had that experience? Maybe not. But you had that experience where something good happens to somebody else and you're truly legitimately glad and excited for them, but there's something in them that's like, boy, I wish that could have happened to me too. Like I remember when I was in seventh grade, I uh, went to this Cubs game and it was a contest at school. My brother and I went to the same school. I was, he was in the high school. I was in the junior high school. But uh, through the whole school, there's this contest, and we both won, and we got to go to this Cubs game. And if you think back to my childhood, there were no lights at Wrigley Field, so the Cubs games were during the day. And so we went to the Cubs game, and it was still in, like, late May, so school was still going on. But we got there super early, because we got to school, they put us on the bus, they drove us up, and I only lived about probably 45 minutes from Wrigley Field at that time. And we were sitting there in the stands, just waiting for the game to start, and this guy walks up, and he, he says to my brother, he says, how old are you? And my brother just had a birthday. He said, I'm 18. He said, hey, come with me. And, and my brother's like, what are we doing here? And he says, well, here's the deal. Um, because school in session, our regular bat boy is not available for today, so I need somebody to be the bat boy for today's baseball game. Do you think you'd like to do that? And my brother was like, see you, Brent. And off he went with this guy. And they gave him a uniform, and they sat down there in the dugout. And some of you may remember this name, Ferguson Jenkins. And uh, he got Ferguson Jenkins shoes to wear uh, for the day. And then there was a rain delay in this game. So he's sitting in the dugout. He said it was the coolest thing because everybody's sitting in the dugout talking, telling all their different stories. And he's just sitting in there. Is this 18-year-old kid who went to the baseball game that day who's the Cubs bat boy for the day. Now, I got to tell you, I was excited for my brother to have that opportunity, kind of. Because I didn't. But we have those situations like that. And, and I can think of so many different times. Like last year for the Rose Bowl parade, my daughter's in-laws went to the parade. My daughter lives two blocks off of Colorado Boulevard in, in uh, Pasadena. And so I'm watching the parade at home, and the Reicharts are in parade in person. And I'm thinking, well, good for them, but kind of bad for me, right? And I've had that situation too. I had a nephew who won a full-ride scholarship to college. And he's a great kid, and he deserved it, and I was so excited for him. But, hey, they only sent one kid to college. I sent three. Like, good for them, but maybe could we get a little bit of that here? And this is where I really experienced this. It's like every other week, Mark pops in here and announces that he's got another grandchild on the way. <laughs> hey, I'm glad for you, Mark, but okay. How about me? But, you know, we've had those situations in life where we hear the good that somebody experiences, and we really are legitimately glad for them, but we're kind of like, sure, it would be fun if I got a chance to try that too. 
And we come this morning to a story where I read it in the scriptures, and I'm really, really glad for this person, and yet I find myself a little bit on the envious side. Well, this morning we're going to do some hiking because we've been doing hiking all year long in our Life Trail series here. We're at the summit, and we're going to a place called Horeb. And it's a mountain where Moses hiked, or actually was keeping sheep, and he had this experience where he encountered God. So let me just give us a little bit of background here. Uh, this is a map of the area at that time in the Middle East. You can kind of recognize that all the way over to the left here is uh, Egypt. And this is where Moses had been located. Of course, Moses had kind of a bad situation. And he escaped and he went across all the way to the far side of the map there. You can see it says land of Midian. And then if you backtrack back here to the Sinai Peninsula, you see right at the bottom there is Mount Sinai, Mount Horeb. Same mountain. But for this story, it's called Mount Horeb, and this is where this event takes place of the burning bush. If this is, we're not exactly sure where the biblical Mount Horeb is, but if it, this is where we think it is, this is what it looks like today. It still exists. In fact, you can actually get on your All Trails app, and you can look this up. There is a, yeah, there is, there is a trail that goes to the top of Mount Horeb. You can do that. It's about six and a half miles long. You gain about 2,500 uh, feet of elevation. And uh, I had this experience last Sunday. Somebody said, you know, we were just on vacation, and I used that All Trails app, and it was so cool. And I was like, that is so great. That something I shared on a Sunday morning has changed your life. I was hoping for something a little bit different, but hey, I'm glad that All Trails works for you. But you can actually go there today. And you can hike this mountain. They say go early because it's a very popular destination type hike. Now, we do have something that I'm excited about here, though, is one of these hikers actually got a picture of Moses. There he is, keeping his sheep in the desert. And if you look really closely in that picture, you can see that that bush is on fire. There you go, all right? Well, if you want to turn with me to Exodus chapter 3, we're going to talk about this story here this morning, where God shows up and has this big conversation with Moses, and Moses has this incredible God experience, and where I'm a little bit jealous. Because if I'm completely honest, I don't know if I've ever had a burning bush moment in my life. This, like, incredible situation where something just happens out of the blue, where I'm like, oh, wow, God just blew me away right here. In fact, if I look back in my life, I'm not sure that I have that many huge, big God experiences in my life. I, I have some little ones, and I suppose if you, if you paste enough little ones together, you come up with something a little bit bigger. But I might struggle to identify and even and share some of those God moments in my life. And maybe that comes as a little bit of a surprise, because after all, I'm the pastor, right? And we would assume that the pastor is the one who's having these God moments. But the truth of the matter is, is that, you know, I have a different job description maybe than you do. But I experience life the same way. And sometimes I experience life wishing that God would show up in bigger ways in my life than what he does. And wishing that I had more God moments than what I actually do. But when I come to a story like this, I find some encouragement. Because I don't believe necessarily that God's going to bring a big burning bush moment into my life. But what I see is I see a God who likes to meet with us. Who likes to give us these experiences where we sense and enjoy his presence. And so let's read this story here. Moses is actually writing this. 
He wrote the first five books of the uh, Old Testament there. And so while it's written in third person, it's actually Moses telling the story about Moses. And so I'm going to take the liberties this morning to actually read through this story in first person because this is how it happened. Now, I, Moses, was tending the flock of Jethro, my father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and I led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And just as quickly as we can here, the backstory on Moses, he grew up as a Jew, but he grew up in Egypt. He grew up as a slave, and the, the Jewish people were enslaved to the Egyptians, but their population was growing so rapidly that the Egyptians were afraid of a, of a, uh, a coup and a takeover. And so they wanted to suppress the population, and so they, they uh, practiced infanticide, and they were actually killing off the baby boys that were born to the Jews. Well, Moses' parents said, that's not going to happen to our son. And so they took Moses, they put him in a basket. They put the basket out to float on the Nile River. And sure enough, the Pharaoh's daughter, the ruler of Egypt, comes down and sees this basket, sees this little boy, and her heart goes out to him. And she says, you know what? We're going to spare his life. We're going to take him home and we'll raise him. And there's a lot of the story that I leave out. But Moses then is raised, not as a Jew per se, but raised as an Egyptian, and he's raised in the house in the courts of Pharaoh, and he has a lot of prominence, he has a lot of education, he has a lot of privilege, a lot of opportunity, and Moses seems to have this sense and seems to know that God has chosen him to be the deliverer to help the Jews escape this slavery that they're in to the Egyptians. But one day he goes out, and there's a Jew, and there's an Egyptian, and they're arguing, and they're fighting, and it's actually come to blows, and he jumps in to save the day and kills the Egyptian and buries him in the sand. And he looks around, he hopes that nobody notices, but the word gets out. And the word gets out all the way to Pharaoh, the leader of Egypt. And Pharaoh starts out after Moses, and Moses runs for his life. And he runs to Midian there, he meets a woman, he marries her. That's why we have Jethro, his father-in-law. Well, the story of the murder of the Egyptian took place when Moses was about 40 years old. This story today takes place when he's about 80 years old. And so there's been 40 years here of Moses taking the flocks to the far side of the wilderness. And he comes to Horeb, the mountain of God, and there the angel of the Lord appeared to me in the flames from a fire within the bush. And it goes on and he describes this event, but that word appeared is interesting because it could also read, there the angel of the Lord made himself visible to me. But I saw that the bush was not on fire, it did not burn up, so I thought to myself, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. And when the Lord saw that I had gone over to look, God called to me from within the bush, Moses, Moses. So we have this really unusual and unsettling situation where Moses, first of all, he's walking along and there's this bush that's on fire. And as he realizes, it's on fire, but it's not like burning up. It's just burning. And that's kind of odd. And as he stops to look, the bush talks to him. Now, that would be even more strange to me than a burning bush is one that's talking to him. And not only does it talk to him, it seems to know his name. Now, if I'm walking down through the neighborhood and I see a bush that's on fire and it says, hey, Brent, that's weird to me, all right? And it was weird to Moses, too. And it's like, okay, what's going on in this situation right here? But his answer is simply, here I am. And God said to me, don't come any closer. 
take off your sandals for the place you are standing on is holy ground. And then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And at this I hid my face because I was afraid to look at God. And the Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of the slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them. Notice that. I have come down to rescue them. God's here to rescue them. That's why he's talking to Moses. But the question is, well, why is he talking to Moses over in this desert far removed from Egypt where all the Jews are? He says, I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians to bring them up out of the land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanite, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. And up to this point, I'm guessing that Moses is like, yeah, God, it's about time. Glad to have you here because we need you. And then God says, so go now. I am sending you, Moses, to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. And then I said to God, uh, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And I love that question because I don't think at that time Moses had any idea who he was. But God said, I will be with you, and this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you when you have brought the people out of Egypt. You will worship God on this mountain. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what do I tell them? And God said this to me, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. And I love that where Moses says, who am I? And God answers, uh, who am I? So we explore this story today of Moses who has this burning bush experience, except for the fact, uh, and that would encourage us, except for the fact that there's nothing in the story that says that you can have a burning bush moment too. It's not a promise that, hey, if you just, you know, keep going in your life, sometime it's going to happen this way. But there is that suggestion and there is that encouragement that we can have God experiences, even though they may be different. And so what I want to explore today is maybe not here's how to have your burning bush moment. In fact, you could probably just strike that out because I'm not sure we can promise that. But I do want to talk about here's how you might be able to experience God. And we talk about that often. When we talk about our purposes here at Waterford Community Church. We want to help people experience God, engage in community and excel in mission, but we talk about experiencing God, and I think sometimes we sit there and think, I wonder what that means. Or how, do you, how does that work? How, how do I experience God? And maybe you sat there when we said that on a Sunday morning and thought, I don't actually know how to experience God. Well, I do think from this story, there are at least 10 different ways or some clues to how we can experience God in smaller or simpler or less dramatic, and yet still very impactful ways. So let me suggest 10 ideas that we're going to walk through here this morning as we walk through the desert with Moses. Intends too many for you, I understand that, but maybe one of these 10 ideas is something that you can grab onto this morning that will allow you to experience God in your own story. We can experience God, first of all, in the routine of life. For Moses, this was a day just like the 14,600 
that had come before it. That's 40 years worth of days where Moses had just got up and gone out and done what he was supposed to do. And that's an awful lot of what life is about, and that's an awful lot what our spiritual life is about, is that we get up in the morning and we go out and we just do what is ours to do. And in Moses' case, that wasn't very exciting. In fact, in Moses' case, I would think that was somewhat deflating because he had in his mind at one point that he was going to be a hero. And here he is, the shepherd of not even his own sheep. So he's not even that good at it, evidently, because he's still watching his father-in-law's sheep in this situation. And yet God shows up or literally makes himself visible. Which I love that phrase, makes himself visible. It gives us the idea that God was there the whole time. And he just on that day chose to say, hey, I'm going to let you see me here. And as we go through the routines of our life, God is there the whole time, and it may just be at some moment that he will open up the skies and reveal himself, and it may be that he doesn't do that, but then through the simple guidance that he gives us in our life, through the simple way that sometimes he brings scripture into mind, through the simple ways that he steers our course and helps us make decisions, that we are actually experiencing God in those moments. And they're not highly dramatic but they're highly effective because just as we walk through life committed to doing what God wants us to do, committed to doing what's ours to do, God can show up in those moments. He can also show up in the place of, and then if you're following the outline, it says if, and that's my mistake, but of my desolation. He can show up in desolation, in the desert, in the dry places, in the places where no one is and where no one really wants to go because it's hot and it's dirty and it's dusty and it's dangerous. Whether it's the elements or whether it's the animals. And this is the place where Moses found himself, but the desolation of the desert, I don't think was nearly as strong even, as the desolation of what was going on in his life. Where one day before, in the past, he had been a person of great hope, and now he was a person, I think, of defeat. I think that was what I was supposed to do, and I really, really messed it up. And here I am, just stuck out here in the dirt, in the sand. But God shows up in our place of desolation. It was Ignatius who introduced the idea of consolation and desolation. And I don't know if you're familiar with this. But he talks about we're always in one season of life or the other. Consolation is we're, we're experiencing the joy and the peace and even sometimes the blessing of God. And where everything's good in our world spiritually. And then there's the desolation. It's where things aren't great and, and trials are coming our way. And, and we're discouraged and we're frustrated and, and where God seems distant. And those are the times of desolation. But God often meets us in those places. And he doesn't always show up in a burning bush, but sometimes he just shows up in simple comfort. Sometimes he shows up in the encouraging word of a friend. Sometimes he shows up in a passage of scripture that you're reading through and you're like, oh gosh, that speaks to my situation so strongly right now. Sometimes he shows up in bringing hope or bringing help or sometimes even bringing healing, but we can experience God in the place of desolation. We can also experience God, and I put this in parentheses, in the lonely silence. Often when we're in desolation, we're very alone, and it's very silent. And we're like, boy, I'd like to hear from God. I'd just like to hear anything. There's just like nothing. And sometimes I believe this, even God can speak to us in those silent moments, and he uses silence to speak to us. 
But this also goes another direction, too, where I think God speaks in the silence. Moses was out there. There probably wasn't a whole lot going on there. He probably didn't have his earbuds in. He was probably just walking through the desert there, and there was just nothing. And that's where God spoke to him. But we live our lives so often filled with noise, and we do it to ourselves. We flip on the TV, or we do throw in the earbuds, or we put the radio on as we're going down the street there, and we fill our lives with busyness, and we try to keep ourselves occupied, and we fill our lives with all these different things because noise equals activity, and activity makes us feel productive, and when we feel productive, we feel significant. And so this is how we try to, to fill up some of the empty spaces in our souls, is to fill them with noise and commotion. And sometimes we need to empty that all out. And sometimes we need to find quiet places, and sometimes we need to find even places of retreat. And uh, several people met just briefly yesterday, and we were at the Baycourt Park, and took an hour or however long you took, and we just went off to different places where we could experience silence, and where we could experience, hopefully, the voice of God. And this is why this concept of retreat is so important in our life, and Mark talked about it last week. But we need to put places in our lives where we can hear God if God chooses to speak in a quiet voice. Because I would much rather hear from God that way than to have him speak to me in a loud voice. And so we can find or experience God in the silence. Let me skip ahead to number six if you're following your outline. We can experience God in certain places. It's interesting to me that Moses, as he retells the story, says this is the mountain of God. Now that's not what it was known by. That's the name that he gave it. And he gave it that name because in his story, he repeatedly comes back to this place. And as I mentioned earlier, Horeb and Sinai are the same mountain, just maybe different peaks of the mountain or maybe even different sides of the mountain. But he keeps coming back to this place. And this place is where he met God, and this place is where he meets God. And we may be able to experience God in our lives if we'll keep coming back to the place. And maybe you have a place where you have experienced God in the past. Maybe as, even as a teenager you went off to camp, or maybe as an adult you went to, to, to a retreat. Or maybe it was sitting in a, in a service, or maybe it was sitting in a conference, but there was this moment where you did experience God. And even in that place, you can go back to it. And not that God is limited to that place, but sometimes we can go back to that place because we're reminded of the God who spoke to us. And so I would actually encourage you, maybe it's just, you know, I was sitting in a church service one morning, well, come in sometime. Sit in the seat where you were, just by yourself, turn on the lights, or you can leave the lights off, and go back to those places. And if you can't go back to those places physically, can you go back to those places in your mind where you did experience God? And can you relive that moment? Because I think God sometimes shows up in the same places in our lives here. I think it's interesting that God said to Moses, take your shoes off, you're standing on holy ground. There was nothing particularly about holy about that ground other than the fact that God was there. But maybe in your life you have those places where there is holy ground, where you have experienced God in the past, and where the ordinary became sacred and you can go back to that place. 
and experience God. Number four here on your outline, by becoming, you can experience God by becoming more aware. I sometimes wonder if the reason that we don't experience God is because we're not looking for him. And the reason that the, the bush was on fire, it seems to be, is that if it hadn't been, Moses would have just walked right on by. But God needed to get his attention. He had something dramatic to do, so he used this dramatic expression here. But I wonder how many times in our lives we walk by what God's actually doing without feeling to realize that he's actually working in our stories, in our situations. And we need to become aware, more aware in our lives because we're just simply too preoccupied with what's going on. Back a couple of weeks ago, I was having lunch with Pastor Parker. Um, he likes to have lunch. So about once a month, we go to lunch, and we were sitting at lunch, and I am sitting there on the table, I don't know, 15, 20 feet away from me. There's this woman, and she kind of waves. Well, where I was sitting, all the people walking into the restaurant kind of had to walk behind me. So I wasn't paying much attention. I was like, oh, this woman's kind of waving at somebody behind me that's coming in. And so I just kept eating, having in my talk there with Pastor Parker. And then about five minutes later, I walk, look up again, and this same woman's like waving at me. And I was like, okay, this is making me feel a little bit uncomfortable. And so I'm like, oh, it was actually Samantha Lamb, the principal at Grayson. And she saw me, and she was waving, and asked, I, you know, just totally clued out there. But I wonder how many times that God's like, and I'm like, I wonder who that is. We talked back in our ancient past series about this idea of the examine. And the examine is where you stop in the midday or the examine is where you stop at the end of the day and say, okay, where have I seen God in my story? But if we'll stop and do that, I think there's oftentimes we're just in small ways God shows up and we miss it if we're not looking. He may show up in just the note that somebody sends you or an email that comes across or a text. Or may show up in just a, 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 uh, an opportunity that you have actually to provide encouragement to somebody else. Or he may just show up in, in the provision that you have. Or you know what? God shows up in our lives sometimes just by providing the food that we eat at our table. And as we sit and go through our routine prayers, dear God, thank you for this food, blessed our bodies, whatever it happens to be, we miss the opportunity to experience God in that moment who's provided for us. We can also experience God in the context of unusual circumstances. Sometimes, sometimes in life, the uh, extraordinary happens to us. Sometimes it's good, we have a great blessing that comes our way. Sometimes it's bad, it's a crisis or a trial that comes our way. But in those moments, in those circumstances, in fact, I think we can often look back and say those were pivotal moments because I had a choice to make, right, a decision to make, or I had a situation to deal with, and it's in those moments where God shows up. And if you're facing a, an unusual circumstance right now, this is the place where God shows up. We can also experience God when we need a second chance. I love this about the story. I think Moses had given up on himself. But you know who hadn't given up on Moses? God. Moses had made a mess of things. Moses had a murder on his record. God said, you know what? I can still work with that. And I'm guessing, since you're all sitting here this morning, that none of you has a murder on your record. If you do, you might want to keep that to yourself. So whatever it is in your past, God can still use you. And sometimes God shows up in our story at that moment where we most desperately need 
a second chance in life. I remember when Lindsay was running track in high school. She was over at, I think, Hudsonville, and, and her track team, their 4 by 100 team, had made it to the finals. And she was running, I think she was running the third leg of that, that relay, and we were, um, most of the family was kind of on the back stretch to watch her run that, and I kind of wandered around the first, and the gun went off, and all these runners came around the track, and as they came around the track, Lindsay was waiting for the baton, and there was no runner in her lane. The girl who was running, the first leg of it had DQ'd. She stepped over the line before the starting gun went off, and they were out of the race. I was like, that kind of stinks. <laughs> You're a high school kid. Like, could we have, like, one do-over? Like, okay, that's your mulligan. Okay, let's try that again. But they were all disqualified. But you know what? Not with God. And maybe you failed, and maybe there's some circumstances to deal with, but maybe you're sitting here this morning and say, okay, you know what? I need a second chance. And God says, that's right, and I'm here for you. Because I am the God of second chances. God sometimes shows up and we can experience him also in the mercies that are shown to others. I love the detail that God goes into about sharing how he was seeing and hearing and feeling about and concerned about and responding to and coming down to the needs not of Moses, but of the Israelites. And he's saying, I got to do something. I'm going to use you. And in that moment, Moses got a glimpse of who God was in the heart of God. And sometimes, I believe this, sometimes we can even look around at what God's doing in the lives of other people, and we can have our God moments too. And it's not a moment of jealousy where it's like, well, why is God doing that for that person? It's where like, wow, look what God's doing in that person's story. Look what God's doing in that person's life. And that's an encouragement to us. And maybe we're even like on the peripheral edge of it. And we're experiencing God in that moment. We can also experience God in the promises of God. And, Mo, and God said, I will be with you. This will be a sign for you. What he's saying is, hey, I'm making you a promise here. You will come again to this mountain and you will worship. And you're going to be worshiping with all these Israelites that come with you. But we experience God, I think maybe most often in life, we experience God in the promises that he gives us, and the promises that he gives us are in God's word. And Moses didn't have the benefit of the Bible. In fact, he was writing the first books of it, somewhere down the line there. And he was very dependent upon a, re, a, a revelation like this from God. We're not nearly as dependent as Moses was. We have God's word in front of us. We have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. But when we come across those promises of God, something that we're reading or maybe something that we're hearing as we sit in a small group or sit in a church service, that's God saying, I'm here. And that promise that I gave way back when, it's for you too. And you can lean into this promise and you can find the assurance and the support that you need here. Because God's promises are how we experience God. A few weeks back, I posted a little blog thing in our, in our Wednesday What's Up uh, email, which if you'd like to get that, just make sure that we get your uh, email address. But I talk about how I love rainbows. Because rainbows are like when God arrives in my world, present day, and says, oh yeah, I promised way back then. And that promise is still good. In fact, in your, I was, I was riding through the parking lot on my bike of, of Clarkston Junior High School. And I was like, oh, look at that rainbow. And here's that God moment where the promise is repeated. 
And so we could experience God and the promises of God. And then finally, we can experience God when we come to the end of ourselves. Moses went from being a proud and cocky uh, guy with a lot of uh, hubris to a guy who was meek and humble and even a little bit unsure of himself. And he came to the place where he had experienced brokenness, and I think he was familiar with his brokenness, and I think he was shattered by his brokenness. And God's like, okay, now, Moses, now. And I wonder how many times we put on our spiritual self-righteousness and we prayed through our Christian lives feeling like we've got it all figured out, like we're doing this the right way. And, and wow, check this out. We, we've mastered this Christian life thing. And God just steps back and says, I don't know. guess you don't need me. But maybe there's sometimes where we come to God and say, God, I, I'm a mess. I don't have this figured out at all. In fact, I keep just messing this up. I'm so broken. And God says, okay, here I am. And so maybe this morning you're feeling a little jealous of Moses who had this burning bush experience. And to be honest, I kind of wish I'd had something like that in my life. And I don't know that I ever have. But you know what we have is we have the encouragement from God's word from this story that we can have these moments, maybe smaller, maybe lesser, but nevertheless, every bit is important where we can experience God in simple ways. Maybe you desperately need a God experience of your own. He's the God who shows up burning bushes, but he's also the God who shows up in the promises of Scripture. He's also the God who throws up in the lives of others. He's also the God who shows up just in the everyday mundane of life. Maybe you've had a few experiences of God and you're hoping for some more. I don't know. Ten ideas from this story. Would you pick one? You can experience God in the routine. You can experience him in your desolation. You can experience him in the silence if you'll create silent places. You can create or experience God in certain places by becoming more aware. In your unusual circumstances, you can experience God when you need a second chance. You can experience him in the mercy shown to others. You can experience him in one of his promises. And you can experience him when you've come to the end of yourself. Does one of those stick out to you? Maybe it's God, and maybe it's not a bush, but maybe he's still speaking in your heart. Let's pray. God, we come before you desperate for you. We fill our lives with a lot of our own self-effort. We fill our lives with a lot of noise and busyness to kind of drown out some of the pain sometimes. We fill our lives with spiritual activity, thinking that somehow we will impress you with how good we are. And yet there's still something missing in our lives. And what's missing in our lives is that holy ground, that place where we experience you and your greatness. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Where do you need to experience God in your life today? Ten things, that's too many, I know. But is there one thing there that you can encourage yourself with? Is there one thing where maybe God's actually speaking to you this morning? 
experience. Maybe you've come this morning, you don't even know what it means to have a relationship with God. We talked a little bit about it in communion. Jesus Christ came and he died for his sins, not his sins, but he came and he died for our sins, man's sins. So we could have forgiveness and eternal life. And if you've never invited Christ in your life, he wants to come into your life. That's the second chance you've been looking for. He wants to take your brokenness and he wants to make something beautiful out of it. And where you sit this morning, you can invite Jesus Christ into your life and he can give you that relationship with God. What is the decision that you need to make this morning? I'd invite you to do that. you a few minutes just to reflect on that and Chris will close us with a song and then I'll have a couple announcements as we close.